What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. It is an evening edition for no reason other than yesterday I ate so much food I didn't wake up this morning to do a morning edition. So we're doing an evening edition. I don't know. Is that better? Is that worse? Who knows? You guys can let me know. I like the idea of set times that will never happen. So, you know, let's go with that. It's not as good, but it's pretty good because we're still doing a Monday episode. Uh, Listen, you know, I'm over here and I'm yelling about different topics in the news all the time, three days a week. I mean, if you did the math, what do we, we probably cover 30 topics a week, if you had to guess. And it's always interesting to me what I float out into the world that I get droves of emails about. Where I get people finally going, sitting there going, finally, someone has taken this on. And I hadn't realized that the pickleball problem is apparently a nationwide pandemic. That since COVID, since they weren't able to get vaccines into all of our arms. And they tried to come up with new ways to undermine our communities, our family values, the very nature of our approach to health. Apparently, they pivoted to this pickleball revolution where community funds are being eaten up so that they can destroy otherwise perfectly good parks and replace them with pickleball courts so that old people will tear their rotator cuffs. Apparently, this pickleball problem is not just destroying parks, it's destroying churches. You guys should see the emails I'm receiving from all sorts of individuals nationwide reporting back to me that my pickleball issue, my gripe, it wasn't some one-off. It wasn't just one hockey court in the streets of Stanford, Connecticut. No, apparently they're erecting <laughs> pickleball courts all across this country uh, in a new effort to keep us continuously confused about health, about proper values, about uh, athletic activities that one should actually engage in, what kind of individuals should be leaving the house, and what's the appropriate use of public funds. And so, listen, if there's one thing we can do as a show, maybe we'll make the uh, Have You Been Harmed by a Pickleball Court hotline. Because there's things that devastate communities that people rarely talk about. For example, you know what my biggest expense was? I think it was back in 2020 in the second year of Summer Porch Tour. It was a trolley line. It was a trolley line that viciously uprooted my bike, smashed me into a car door, and cost me $3,500 for a car, for a car door. What is going on with Subaru car doors that it can cost you $3,500? You guys can go back down the archive for that. We already screamed for hours on end about why you should never leave a note. We already did that topic. Now we're trying to talk about this new pandemic of the pickleball courts coming across America. So if you've been harmed by a local pickleball court, I recommend email me robsnewsroom at gmail.com, the only podcast that's covering this horrific problem. Uh, All right, guys. uh, Got some shows this weekend. I'm going to be out in Jersey uh, doing... uh, um, Lou Perez got his show out there. I forget the name of the show, but the f- lineups are always stacked. They're always fun. This one was a good one. I don't remember who was on that, but the link will be in the episode description. And then Friday night, I'm doing a short, uh, show in Norwalk, Connecticut with a bunch of local comedians who uh, I like a lot and think are really funny. So if you guys are local, uh, I haven't done a single Connecticut show, I think, in six months. I don't think I'm going to do another one for six months. So come out, support the local show, show up, show the run-your-mouth people what's going on, wear your shirt that says pickleball courts are the, are, are, are the devil's courts. Uh, maybe we'll even make that, get that merch made. Maybe I'll even sell that merch that you can spread the word to other people, letting them know about the dangers of pickleball courts. But anyways, 
And then we're going to be back up at the Shell on December 8th and 9th. I'm still working on a Boston gig, working on a Philly gig, and that's going to round out touring for this year. And then maybe we'll cut up some clips from uh, Porch Tour and put them out into the world. Uh, all right, before we get into the news, I had another uh, thing that I wanted to dwell on, which is uh, yesterday my hoarding served me well. And there is nothing better than finding something that you haven't looked at in 20 years and then making use of it and going, you know what? All the random shit that I hold on to for absolutely no reason has finally paid off. It is a satisfactory feeling. One time when you can just open up the depths of your closet, remember that something was in there, pull it out and wear it, and then just validate all the stupid shit that you're holding on to in your life. You see, that's what hoarders get wrong. What you got to do is once a year, every single one of those items, just take it for a whirl, take it for a spin, showcasing the showcase the fact that it still brings meaning and utility to your lives or even if just a low percentage of those items you end up using every four years let's say you use something once every four years 25 percent of your items every four years then you can let people know hey there's a rotation going three years from now i'm going to need that exact item and the way that amazon's cranking out non-quality shit out of china it's a good thing i had this thing from the previous decades when they actually had useful items so I had this, uh, we're, we're, you know what, I said that this year I was going to treat myself to heat, but I'm not going to do it. If you're going to turn on your heater before December, you're in for a long and cold winter. You got to adjust. When, the, when it starts getting cold, you got to just adjust to the cold. Don't be putting on your winter coats too early. If you want to know how to not be the person come January and February who's freezing all the time, the answer is start to embrace the cold. That's the way to do it. If you're already putting on your big-ass winter coats now as we come into just like the 40s and the 50s and you don't adjust to coldness a little bit, you're in for a long winter. So, you know, we're not putting on the heat yet. Heat, heat is a luxury item that is used sparingly in in the months of December, January, and February. And December's borderline. You're really you're really being indulgent if you're treating yourself to heat in the month of December. It's January and February, the acceptable months for running heat. And this year we saved up. We're gonna treat ourselves to some heat in the Run Your Mouth Enterprises. But anyways, uh, it was fucking freezing last night, especially after coming back from the West Coast. I'm not ready for this yet. I missed all of fall. I missed all of these fancy colors while I was out exploring other parts of the world. I missed it all. And now it's freezing and I haven't properly adjusted. And uh, I remembered that I had this warm wool sweater going all the way back to high school. I wore it once while skiing and then I got too fat for it. But now I'm even skinnier then than I was then. And also it was a little bit itchy because it was like the high quality wool. But then I put two and two together where I was like, I have long sleeve t-shirts now. I bet I can wear this long sleeve t-shirt. I bet that sweater actually fits and I'll bet it'll be warm. And you know what? I was right on all accounts. And I validated keeping an article of clothing that is now probably 25 years old and was only worn once. Tell me you're not feeling that energy. It's when you can find moments like this that we can push back on pickleball courts. If you're standing next to somebody else who likes keeping too much stupid shit in the apartment with the refusal to throw it out under the basis that in 25 years from now, you might actually use that thing again, go ahead and give that person a high five. If you're out there holding on, well, actually, let's just say I bought that when I'm 15, I'm 35. So 20 years, 20 years that's been sitting in a closet unworn, managed to bring it th through three different apartments with me on the basis of, oh, you know what? That thing was kind of expensive and I never wore it. So if you're out there and you're holding on to stupid shit, this is a victory. Go high-five your grandma. Uh, all right, before we move on to other news topics, any uh, 
Well, I want to take a moment and plug uh, YoDelta.com. If you want to do stupid shit like hoard clothing for 20 years, uh, you know, that's a good thing to do while you're high. Or maybe you won't hoard it as much. You'll end up using it because you'll be high and you won't mind the itchiness. I don't know. YoDelta.com. Use promo code RYM. You get 20% off. Gummies, vape pens, the works. Moving on. Any theories on where the San Francisco homeless people are? Has anybody done anything to try and track down these individuals? I'm thinking maybe they were hired to bring down the property value and they were just told that they could take a day off. Maybe we got this situation all wrong. We've been thinking the whole time that these people were down on their luck and that they were homeless, but we didn't realize that there was actually an agenda to ruin these cities and people were paying them to be there. But when they weren't paid to be there, they just, uh, you know, they went back. They went back to their other jobs. They went back. They spent the day on the beach. Anyone know what Newsom did with those people for a day? And why is it that if Z comes over here, we don't want him to look at our homeless people? Wouldn't it be better to showcase even more homeless people and go, look, this is why I need some better trade agreements. Look at what's going on in our country. And then maybe Z could be like, yo, I got like fucking endless empty buildings. We were trying to like pretend like our GDP centralized government thing was working and we were putting up all sorts of buildings. Like you guys are just first starting to get into socialized pickleball courts. We did the pickleball court and then we went to building entire cities that are just empty. Maybe we could do a homeless trade with China. But no, we got to clean up the streets of San Francisco, pretend like there's never been a homeless problem. Don't answer for the fact of how you can suddenly get rid of all these people. Suddenly it's humane on a daily basis when it's just ruining the people that lives there's life experience or they got to see shit, smell shit, see their property values, get a road, be concerned about walking around outdoors at night outside of your own million dollar home. For some reason, it's unethical. But when Z comes into town, there's no problem rounding these people up and shipping them to who knows where. Creepy shit. Um, All right, and then one more thing before we get into other news topics. I was treated to a fine treat last night. I was at home. I overate after driving all the way back from D.C., being healthy for a couple days. I ate all the pie, and then I went to sleep, and then I woke up, didn't feel great. Great. And then I decided to eat your Delta edibles. And then once I had made a commitment to not doing work, I realized, you know what? I have, let's take care of some random shit. And I went to max because, uh, apparently I've been paying for a subscription for like six months that I thought I canceled. And then you see it on your bill. And then you're like, I thought I canceled this. Why is this still on my bill? And I only subscribed because there was one specific thing that I wanted to watch when it came out. I don't even remember what it was. Anyways, I thought that this thing was long canceled and it wasn't long canceled. And then I went to recancel it. I wonder what's the most expensive thing that I'm paying for that I just have no idea that I'm paying for. Uh, maybe it's heat that's going to the neighbor's apartment. <laughs> but anyways, I didn't even realize it. They put out a Venture Brothers movie over the summer in June. And if you're a fan of the Venture Brothers, they got that thing right. It's very rare I actually sit down and watch television. I waste a lot of time with stupid shit on YouTube. But uh, very rare that I actually watch television or movies. And uh, that was a treat. Put me right back into being in high school, getting stoned, watching some Venture Brothers. That was a win. All right, let's get into some news topics. Uh, Before we do, why not take a couple of comments? Here we go. Apex, funnier if you only kept the homeless Chinese. Oh, wait, homeless Asians don't exist. That would be funny. Uh, Moderately amused. Robbie, please ask Dave to be on the next podcast he hosts with Vivek. If Dave is afraid to ask the tough questions, I know you aren't. I think the uh, I think the guest shows are better without me. Um, just because, you know, I already sit there quietly a lot. You know how awkward it is for me to sit quietly while two other people are having a question, and then maybe I get him one question at the end, or I interrupt Flo just being inappropriate. So, 
Um, I respect the calls of uh, typically not being on the guest episodes. And uh, sometimes I'm on them, but for the most part, I'm not. And I think uh, I think that works for show flow as both Dave and the guest have plenty to say. So I don't know um, that I necessarily add all that much. All right. Tate Ekblau. Robbie is back. Love the frequent briefings and fuck pickleball. That guy gets it. That guy gets it. We got Eric John Pizza Art. Let's fucking go, Robbie. Hell yeah. Hopefully down the line, make an appearance on uh, Eric's podcast, which plug in the notes. I'll uh, I'll put it up here. 68 degrees. Might as well sleep outside. I'm an 82 man myself. Leon Black. Not sure what that means. All right. We'll take one more comment and get into it. Um, I really wish you would tell us, Robbie, what music is playing in your head that you were dancing to. Just life, baby. Just the, uh, all right, here we go. Um, so this was Ukraine is waking up to reality. This was from the Hill. And so, uh, let's read it. Ukraine won the war of 2022. That was the year of Ukraine's victory. Putin's trip troops had to withdraw from Kiev and Kyrgyzstan and they ran from Kharkiv. But the year 2023 has not been so good. Russian generals have learned from their mistakes and the learning curve was quite steep all while engaging Ukraine in a bloody war of attrition at Bakhmut, blah, 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 blah. I just like that when we sent them, when we sent Ukrainian soldiers to their deaths, apparently we were just working with the best intelligence of the time. Apparently, Ukraine had a good first round. Remember last year when they kept telling us the Ukraine was winning the war? Apparently, Ukraine was winning the war. And then we had all these people saying, hey, the media is lying to you. Well, they weren't lying to us. They were winning then. They were putting up an excellent round one, and when they continued to send all these money and resources over to Ukraine, they were working with the best intelligence they had at the time, which was that Ukraine was winning. It's only recently that Ukraine has started to lose this war, and because of the new intelligence of the fact that they're not winning, the United States is forced to reckon with the fact that they made a strategic blunder when they decided not to just not have a war and negotiate with Putin at the beginning. But... When they made the decision to send more uh, money over there and keep Ukraine in the fight, remember that they were working with the best intelligence that they had at that time. Have we ever heard that one before? I was wondering what their lie was going to be, by the way, to backtrack out of the Ukraine war when they go, oh, yeah, the reason that, uh, you know, Putin's not on that bear horse of his storming into the rest of all of Europe and taking the thing over is because we put up such a good fight in Ukraine, he realized that wasn't a good idea. But if we hadn't put up that fight in Ukraine and then let them peacefully negotiate and end up in the exact same place that they are now and save 600,000 Ukrainian lives, well, then Putin would be taking over all of Europe and just think about how many more people would have died. All right, now let's take a look at some of the latest from the Israel stuff. Um, I've made a lot of statements about everything that's going on in Israel. We've uh, seen the stuff as it's coming in, never claimed to be an expert, never uh, claimed I have, to, but one thing that I did claim was that it seemed to me like there was too much of uh, attention being paid to what was going on. There were too many images that were too clearly inhumane and that I thought that, you know, Israel was getting a little bit greedy and that this was going to be a strategic blunder as if. All of these things are true about the mistreatment of the Palestinians for the most part and never made the news stories, never made the media that we saw. And I guess Israel was mostly getting away with it. But for some reason, a spotlight was being turned onto this Gaza stuff. We're looking in real time at innocent civilians um, 
being killed by the uh, by the Israeli government, and they're making all sorts of claims about human shields and whatever else, but we're seeing it happen in real time. And I said, this looks like a strategic blunder. I think they're going to lose a lot of support. And at the beginning of this thing, we saw a lot of uh, all hands on deck. Israel's our number one ally. If we don't support them, uh, you know, it's going to come for us. Israel, uh, what, what was that statement from the one-eyed guy last week? Like something like, uh, we benefit more from our relationship with Israel, whatever their shenanigans were. And let me tell you, this wheel's starting to turn. In Ukraine, you know, it was two years of, hey, we got to support these people or Putin's going to come for us. It was two years of, we got to send more money over there. This Israel thing, I think it only took a week for people to turn around and go, wait, what the fuck are they doing? And so here we got Macron, leader of France, is condemning the bombing. Israel must stop killing babies and women in Gaza. There you go. That's pretty simple statement. I mean, talk about usually instead of just turning around and going full support, these people good, those people bad. Talk about just giving it to you in plain words. Macron condemns bombing. This is from Week magazine. Israel must stop killing babies and women in Gaza. Uh, Gaza, Emmanuel Macron, has told the BBC. The French president has said he recognized Israel's right to protect itself, but called on them to stop this bombing. Meanwhile, the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, said that far too many Palestinians have been killed in Gaza. There you go. Not only are they willing to admit that too many Palestinians have been killed or the Palestinians have even been killed by the Israelis, they're even willing to admit that it's been excessive. An estimated 11,000 Palestinians have been killed in recent bombings. All right, here's another one. This is Obama was on, uh, I don't even know what he was on, but this was striking to me because you had Obama saying fault on both sides, not just that Israel should have our full support and that Israel is uh, totally good, and he also uses the word occupying. It's not too often that you hear American politicians referring to what Israel is doing in Israel as an occupation. That's usually the uh, talking point, the propaganda of these people who are being occupied. <laughs> or I guess your college kids, your, your stupid leftists, your people that just dislike Israel, your anti-Semites. Those are the ones that use the word occupation. How often do you actually hear the mainstream politicians willing to even say that Israel might have done something that puts them at fault or that they're occupying territories? Let's give this one a listen. Being able to you guys can tell me if they're sound or not. Constructively to do something. It will require an admission of complexity and maintaining what on the surface may seem contradictory ideas. That, that what Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the, the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is is unbearable and what is also true is that there is a history of the jewish people that may be dismissed unless your grandparents or your great grandparents or we can pause it there i agree with them everyone's at fault all the time i'm okay with that analysis what I'm more pointing at is how the wheel already seems to be turning of people willing to be uh, condemning of Israel's behavior, which uh, is fairly surprising. And here's Blinken, who uh, seems to be the uh, new dumber mouthpiece for uh, for Biden. You know, at least Biden, when he has his few moments between dementia when he remembers stuff. But 
somehow blinking. I guess he's running the show. I don't know what could have happened to Kirby. I don't know what could happen to that thin guy that looks like one of the aliens from Mars Attack. But uh, here we go. Here is Blinken talking about what's going on. Ultimately, the only way to ensure that this crisis never happens again is to begin setting the conditions for durable peace and security and to frame our diplomatic efforts now with that in mind. The United States believes key elements should include no forcible displacement of Palestinians uh, from Gaza. I like that. No forcible displacement. We can even forcibly displace them too from now. What do we shove the whole north into the south of Gaza? Going to push them right up against the wall with Egypt? Where are you going to forcibly displace them to? Not now, not after the war. No use of Gaza as a platform for terrorism or other violent attacks. No reoccupation of Gaza after the conflict ends. So we just, uh, we're, we're going to call for a platform where everything's just perfect. And why not call for them all to have three meals and blowjobs after dinner? You know, if we're, if we're already going to describe what's going to be perfection, it should be dinner, a chef that cooks a good dessert, a blowjob that's endorsed by your wife and maybe from or not from your wife. I don't know, depending on who you prefer your blowjobs from. But I'm just saying, if we're going to describe the perfect outcome here, why? and if the whole point is we got to put perfection onto a plate because that's the only way that we're going to come close to perfection. So, you know, why not throw some other good elements out there? No attempt to blockade or besiege Gaza. No reduction in the territory of Gaza. Isn't it already besieged? So are we taking the walls down? We must also ensure no terrorist threats can emanate from the West Bank. We must also work on the affirmative elements to get to a sustained peace. These must include the Palestinian people's voices and aspirations at the center of post-crisis governance in Gaza. It must include Palestinian-led governance uh, and Gaza unified with the West Bank under the Palestinian Authority. And it must include a sustained mechanism for reconstruction in Gaza and a pathway to Israelis and Palestinians living side by side. Point I'm getting at is already politicians are willing to put a little bit of blame onto Israel, which is already a change from the blanket. Hey, team good, team team, uh, evil. The other big story is that the one or I guess one of the larger hospitals in Gaza that supposedly has Hamas underneath it is starting to fail. Now, uh, I guess the claim of the Israelis when they started to, uh, I don't even know to what extent they cut off water, uh, but when they started, I guess, cutting off fuel, their claim is anything that we send in ends, ends up being used by the terrorists, and the terrorists have such stockpiles underground, if we don't send in these tools, then if the terrorists care about the people that are living there, they can very easily give these resources over to the people, and that's a way of us making sure that the terrorists don't get more supplies, because if we come in, it might not even go to the people, it might just go to the terrorists. Um, and so there's claims of the hospital failing, and uh, I guess claims going back on both, both sides of the Israelis claiming that they are, have offered um, to evacuate patients and care for patients and also that they've offered to uh, give fuel supplies. And then, of course, the Palestinians just go, and that's not true. I don't know. I'm not there. But here we can read this from the uh, Wall Street Journal. Since the war began, Israel has banned fuel from entering the Gaza Strip without, without the release of 239 hostages taken by Palestinians on October 7th. Israel says Hamas has the fuel that it can provide to hospitals and other civilian organizations, but chooses to use its reserve for military purposes. 
Israeli officials say Hamas would also steal new fuel imported into the enclave as it needs fuel to keep ventilating hundreds of miles of tunnels used by its fighters. Hamas has denied both taking over fuel in the Strip and preventing reserves from reaching hospitals. All right, I think there's another article on this. This is from uh, Reuters. Netanyahu Hamas refused Israel fuel offer for Gaza's Shifa hospital, claiming that they uh, were trying to bring it in and they wouldn't allow them to. All right, in the continuing coverage of it seeming like the storyline is shifting is one of the big things that people like to claim is that the numbers that you see from Gaza are all false. They're all inflated. The entire game that they're playing is trying to use their people as human shields, and they're trying to amass numbers of human casualties as high as possible so that they can turn as many people in the world against Israel or in the more extreme storyline into anti-Semites by lying and pretending like Israel is being worse than it actually is. And this is from the uh, Wall Street Journal. U.S. officials have growing confidence in death toll reports from Gaza. Reliance on the Palestinian data is a partial shift by the Biden administration. So in terms of just looking at this from already, it seems like support for what's going on there is seeming to turn and not in Israel's favor. We also see that the supposed inflated numbers of deaths taking place in the region are starting to get a stamp of approval from governments, including our own. Um, now, Netanyahu's statement, I, this might have already been from Saturday, and you know things are changing all the time. For now, Netanyahu said the war against Hamas is advancing with full force, and it has one goal to win. There is no alternative to victory, which I love. Like It's just kind of like open-ended. So like, what does that mean? So the, the ending is that we win. Or this was the other one, Israel-U.S. split on Gaza plan. Netanyahu said on Sunday on CNN that a civilian authority has to cooperate in two goals. One is to demilitarize, demilitarize Gaza, and the second is to de-radicalize Gaza. Which, in other words, means we need someone in here that's going to uh, um, push different propaganda. We need a government that's going to be more in line with our propaganda. And I have to say that the Palestinian Authority has unfortunately failed on both counts. So I, I, the, the talk is of the Palestinian Authority taking over Gaza and... Uh, I don't really understand how you have a government, I guess, with that much of a gap between the two areas and being totally and completely unconnected. Uh, But even that Netanyahu has said he will not replace Hamas with uh, with the Palestinian Authority because he doesn't feel that the Palestinian Authority will do enough to um, de-radicalize, de-radicalize and demilitarize Gaza. Uh, all right. So now just as we've, uh, you know, spewed quite a bit on this show and I'm part of the problem as well about, um, you know, all the problems and what Israel is doing. Uh, I'm not really offering a defense, but I am offering some of the things that I'm looking at, um, that are worth considering that I have to dig into a little bit more. Uh, so once again, this is not a defense against the killing of civilians in Gaza. Uh, but these are some things that I, I'm thinking out loud as I explore. So I saw this article from the AP. More than 800 Sudanese reportedly killed an attack on Darfur town, UN says. I do wonder to what extent we are looking at the activities of the Israel government under uh, a microscope, even though it doesn't seem so microscopic. It seems very loud, and it seems like they called attention to this when, uh, you know, they're they're putting up posters and whatnot. Um, But, you know, I will say honest with, like, total, you know, 
How many times have we covered on this show, even run your mouth, numbers or constant footage or constant coverage of what was going on in Yemen? How many times, like, when there's these chaotic incidents in, the, in Africa, do we cover that? How many times have I covered, you know, bombings of buildings by the Russia in Ukraine? I don't even know the numbers that Russia has killed of Ukrainian uh, citizens in, you know, what I guess is their unlawful war. So just in terms of us all, I guess, yelling bloody murder, bloody murder of how anybody, how dare anybody uh, kill civilians and not to say that anyone should be killing civilians. Um, selective outrage, I do think, is a flaw in human thinking, even though I, I mean, here you're standing by one single principle of, hey, let's not be killing civilians. Um, I am just saying, is this a more widespread uh, crime across the globe that for some reason we're showcasing uh, this particular incident of it uh, without with uh, with more coverage than all the other incidents that are currently taking place on planet Earth. Not that doesn't excuse the activity. I, I'm just trying to say um, for us, if you want to claim the nobility of being interested in humanitarian causes and the end of civilian death, or am, am I even on this show giving outsides coverage to this versus all the other um, instances that are uh, that are going on? And I'm sure in every one of these other cases, there's people that you could, even within uh, the United States government, that I'm sure you could criticize as probably supporting someone, giving arms to someone, and probably in some way being involved for uh, you know, profits in some capacity. I know that's very loose, but I'm just stating that these are some things that I, I that I think are somewhat missing from uh, what we've looked at. The other thing, I, like I'm, I'm pretty ignorant on the history. I've gotten a good education uh, here a little bit just by hanging out with Dave as he's preparing for the debates, and he reminds me of all these little things that I learned about and the spin that they had, uh, you know, growing up with the Balfour Declaration and whatnot. Uh, but I would like to look into, I guess, some of the terms that are floated, such as genocide, concentration camps, open-air prisons, and others, um, because I guess one of the things I hear from people is, like, they're at war and there's no other options, and if you look at war, there's always citizens being killed. Um, I reject that as, firstly, it seems to me, even if you're interested in the state of Israel, this is the biggest strategic blunder, as you're going to lose overwhelming public support for what is obviously uh, a lack of concern for targeting civilians. And the claim of, well, we need to target civilians because we have no other way to accomplish our mission uh, is not that big of a distinction from terrorism. I think that's what terrorism's in, terrorists engage in is, hey, we can't really successfully hit military targets. And so if we want to cause pain, I guess we're going to have to engage in terrorism. And you go, hey, we can't actually beat the military here, so we're going to have no choice but to hit the civilian targets. And then you try and, you know, remove yourself a little bit more by going, well, we're not intentionally hitting the, well, you are, you're intentionally hitting the building and you know that those people are in there. You're just going, well, we prefer if they weren't in there. I don't know if you sat down with the terrorists. Yeah, I guess maybe they wouldn't prefer to hit military installations if they could. Not not a big enough distinction for me. All right. And then just in the latest coverage of, uh, you know, the buffoon that Biden is and how he's gone so retarded that he needs to link it to cover for it. 
He was at a ceremony. He realized that was his time. He came back and goes, I still want to stand over here. And then the guy's like, you're supposed to be over there. And he's like, ah, shit. Okay, okay, I can go back over there. Can someone tell me where I'm supposed to be? Am I supposed to stand over here? Is this a spot? Okay, I can stand here. I just like, it was like a bird. It was like a bird. He's like, no, 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 I want him to that spot. Ah, shit, I can't be in that spot anymore. Unbelievable. They're going to keep rolling this guy out. Trying to send him to the easy work at this point. Just being like, listen, other people will talk about the Israel stuff, but you just show up for these ceremonies and just try and stand in place. And even that, guy can't handle it. Uh, I don't think I had anything on this because I didn't look it up. All right, let's take a couple quick comments, and then we'll move on to the next one. Moderately amused. Robbie, you think maybe Blinken talking about reconstruction already is just Halliburton licking their chops every time they see pictures of Gaza being flattened? That could be. Lauren A. Hey, Robbie. Can't stay long. Wanted to say hi. Lauren from Hyenas in Fort Worth. What's up, Lauren? Uh, goalie. Goalie 171. Maybe they just need to have a coming together Israeli-Palestinian wedding Obama could put together. There you go. That's pretty good. All right. AP. Capital Rioter plans 2024 run as a libertarian candidate in Arizona, 8th Congressional District. And if this guy was serious about liberty, you know, I was just out. Where was he for porch tour? If you want to drum it up, come on. Come on out the next time we're out in Arizona. We, we can open a porch tour with some yoga and shamaning. And I, I, I got to get this guy in the program to find out what his plan is as the uh, Arizona Congressional District Libertarian leader. If he gets voted in, will he be showing up? Because I don't think they, they got rid of the dress code for Fetterman. So he could show up in full, uh, full shamanic garb on a daily basis. Unless they're going to go the only way that you can show up not adhering to our formal dress code is if you have brain damage. <laughs> the Senate will allow, if you're disabled, if you're too disabled, if you're too mentally handicapped for normal clothing, you don't have to wear normal clothing. But for the rest of us, everyone has to have more normal clothing. And then maybe someone can prove that... Uh, the fact that this guy was tricked by Donald Trump and then these FBI people opening up doors for him for uh, photographic opportunities and that he took on a career as shamaning, even though he's uh, just a resident of Arizona. Is that mental handicapness? I don't know. I, I, I don't know how mental handicapness works. I'm just hoping I only say that as I try and advocate for this guy's ability to to show back up to Congress and hopefully, you know, dress like uh one of those kids from the Peter Pan cartoon. So I I stand by this. You have my full support. Please email robsnewsroom at gmail.com. We would love to have you on to learn about uh, what, what first of your experience in prison, if you were able to shaman in prison, if you were able to share, uh, you know, spiritual experiences while you were there, since you're out, how you've reacquainted yourself with the shamanic principles and uh, what you might do as a libertarian congressional representative from Arizona to uh, share your shamanic ways with the rest of the world. All right, next topic. Uh, a COVID-19 vaccine reckoning is coming for the DOJ over federal mandates. Dude, this was an interesting article from the, uh, from the New York Post. And uh, while we're on medical topics, why not plug PremierPharma.com? If you're out there, you got a doctor's office, you got a uh, an independent pharmacy, that kind of thing, you hit up PremierPharma.com. You can start hooking up your patients with uh, cheaper generic drugs. All right. Article from the New York Post. A COVID-19 vaccine reckoning is coming for the DOJ over federal mandates. The Justice Department has just posted a new job 
and it's looking for eight new attorneys to defend the federal government in vaccine injury cases. Presumably, the hiring spree is in anticipation of a surge of COVID vaccine lawsuits as people who were forced by government mandates to take the jab and suffered serious side effects to result try to extract compensation from a system that is stacked against them. The office is currently expanding to address workload created by an increase in cases filed under the Vaccine Act. Obviously, it's, uh, you know, too late to make a real impact, and these people were still forced but it's nice. I think in New York, they uh, people want back pay. And you also have the problem of how do you define force if people were just intimidated and they went and did it? Who actually was like forced, you know, out of their job? They're very good at the uh, just intimidation tactics to make it seem as if you were forced. Uh, with all that said, I thought that this was interesting that government might be having to reckon with uh quite a few court cases and it would be nice to see them rank uh rack up some losses and then uh maybe actually have to prosecute some individuals um all right we got a couple more articles here but give me a second i just want to text my guest All right. That moment was brought to you by PremierPharma.com. Uh, all right. I really enjoyed this article. I like it when people actually break down the numbers. And sometimes I pull information out of my ass and it turns out it's even more accurate than I ever could have anticipated. So I think it was uh, a week or no, 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 it was probably about a month ago. And maybe I didn't discuss this because there are articles that I slice uh, and then I decide I'm not going to discuss on the show. In my memory, everything's all fucking scrambled and shit. So maybe I only think I brought this up, but I didn't bring it up. I believe that there was a story out in California of them ending a autonomous driving car program. And if I, if my memory serves me right, I went on a bit of a rant about how if you look at companies that government has dismantled by wasting their time with court cases, like where would General Motors be if they were still uh, attached to their car parts company? Or what inventions might they have come up with in the future if they weren't all being saddled with this EV stuff? And I was talking about, you know, how much money got lost in these people trying to invest in autonomous driving vehicles, which would probably be a incredible improvement for humanity, a cost saver. I mean, just think about the fact that you could go out, drive every night and have, not have to worry about DUIs and how much money that's going to create for all the bars in your area. Maybe it won't be good for alcoholism. But maybe it'll be better because we'll all actually leave our houses. You know how often I just decide to stay home because I don't want to be out there drinking? Think about what that might even do. And that's just one industry. You get some more bathrooms out there. We're talking I'll spend my whole life outside my house. Changes everything. Maybe you actually meet someone and then get married and then you have no money and you end up back in your house. But at least you're getting out there. Anyways, there's certain... It, it, people look at automation as if it's going to remove jobs. And what they don't realize is that it's actually human evolution that we automate one thing and then everyone, like it creates wealth, people end up wealthier, and then we go on a little hive mind action until we can automate the next task. And so to give you guys the short before we read a few of these paragraphs, what he says is the cost-saving measures of all the lives that won't be lost because of car accidents, the real invention that we should be pushing for is the autonomous driving cars more than the EVs. It will actually save us more money, and it will be better in the long run in terms of saving lives 
than this supposed global warming nonsense and having electric vehicles. Let's just read a couple of the paragraphs. All right, this is the, the start of the article. This is from uh, the Wall Street Journal's Autonomous Cars Beat EVs. Subsidies for electric vehicles are a huge mistake. These cars are conceptually the same battery motors as fourth grade science projects. Not a great innovation. There you go. That's already some spin off the bat. You know, I couldn't do that in fourth grade. You tell me Elon Musk's cars are on the fourth grade level. But anyways, and given the high price for EVs, subsidies are mainly a giveaway to the already well off. If you add up carbon emissions for manufacturing, daily use and end of life, EVs have a total life cycle emissions 30% lower than gasoline powered autos in Silicon Valley. Something is considered truly transformational if it's 10 times better, not a third. With them so far, the only problem is, and uh, this is an argument I got to take on some more because I lost a coffee shop argument recently. I didn't have a coffee about, uh, uh, yet, but what the people like to claim is that, you know, uh, there are efficiencies that come with scale and investing in things. And sometimes the, I guess the free market is overlooking opportunities. And so if government steps in and it makes the investments, maybe we get to the better inventions further down the line. Now, you and I understand that the problem is that government is more likely to uh, inefficiently invest the money and to create opportunities for fraud and cronyism. And so we're better off leaving these things to the free market because if there's better opportunities, let's have economic growth and the market will bring us those better opportunities. But people like to think. So in this case, you know, just to take on his thing of it's only a 30% improvement and usually the market only looks for things that are 10%, I guess you can counter argue that maybe this is only round one, you know? And so by government investing now, we might have inventions down the line that make this all worthwhile. I don't believe that to be true. I'm just trying to, uh, you know, uh, give the counter argument. And now there's a glut of them. Ford is losing billions and Honda and General Motors have scrapped plans to build affordable EVs. Instead of throwing taxpayer money at EVs, President Biden could have been a hero and helped bring autonomous vehicles to the market faster. So I want to stop for one second here. First, if you go back to the archive, I did say, I did give a bold prediction that there's probably going to have to be some sort of a big bailout coming because of all the money that these companies have put into their electric vehicles. And I even bet that behind the scenes, and I'm pulling this out of my ass, I know it's based on nothing, that part of the union deals included some sort of a bailout down the line for their EV plays that are not creating enough profits, I guess, to cover, you know, those uh, those increasing union benefits. But I'm really talking out of my ass on this one, and why not be honest about that? Why start with the 40... Oh, and then also to criticize this article that I've highlighted as being worth reading is that at first you might go, hey, isn't this the same complaint? Like, why is government going to get involved in the market to help autonomous vehicles? Like, isn't that the exact same thing? You're saying so that government intervention in the market can help push strategic industries forward? Is that what you're saying? Are you anti-free market, Arthur guy? But let's continue. Why start with the 42,795 traffic fatalities last year? Cost-benefit analysis involves something called the value of statistical life, and the Transportation Department uses $12.5 million per traffic death. Lowering annual crash fatalities to 10,000 would be worth $400 billion to the U.S. economy every year. Technology seriously reduces driver error, a cause of many accidents. You know, the first time I was more impressed with this, $12.5 million per traffic death, like... Tell me, every guy who dies in a car accident is worth $12.5 million dead? I don't buy it, but let's continue. 
Another reason with fully autonomous vehicles, the U.S. would need only half of its nearly 300 million cars. Most sit around doing nothing. Transportation as a service would become reality. No need to own cars. Simply click and a driverless one shows up when you need it. That would mean way less emissions and no parking hassle. And now you might start thinking of the freaky, hey, you'll own nothing, but you'll be happy. And what are the costs of this going to be? I already see Uber. It's more expensive than owning a car. But let's just give it total free market perspective and go, you might actually have a reduction because these autonomous vehicles might be in your town, readily available, cheap to use, and everyone can actually win by them. And because of not tra- you get rid of traffic jams and all the inefficiencies of people on the road, you might actually get rid of traffic and we can all get to places quicker and safer Time is money. Think about all the collective time and money that could be saved. How much better our lives can be because we can be drunk all the time and not have to be worrying about driving our cars. This could potentially be a money maker and even better for the environment. But how do you get around what I was saying earlier of why are we intervening in the free markets to have government try and push strategic investment in this one area? All right. He has an answer to this. We're skipping ahead. What can government do? Help the imaging systems in cars, which will never be totally accurate, by actively letting them know where things are. Stop signs could emit signals with their GPS locations. Traffic lights could digitally broadcast red, yellow, and green. Digital signal transmitters and highway markings, dotted lines, solid lines, etc., which digitally paint the road. Car sensors could see the real signs or paint and confirm them digitally. Ambulances and police cars could broadcast their locations and warn others to slow down and stay away. Construction barriers and traffic cones and broadcast their location and indicate how long they will be there to help cars update their maps. Cards could even negotiate who gets to uh, go first at four-way stop signs. Encrypted signals would prevent hacking. Hmm. Basically what he's saying, it's not what I it's not what I was saying of strategic investment as much as the government maintains the roads and so they could actually work with these car companies in terms of making the roads friendlier for the autonomous vehicles by implementing some of the technology into the roads itself to make them more suitable for uh, autonomously driving cars. And then he does the math on this. Expensive, back-of-the-envelope math. There are 4 million miles of road in the U.S. with perhaps 10 to 25 signs per mile. We need to update 100 mile, million metal signs and 300 traffic lights. I'll assume the cost of sign transmitters is $100 and road marking transmitters to paint the lines digitally is $10 for every tenth of a mile. Even if I'm off by a factor of 10, the government could spend less than $400 billion to save 32,000 lives a year, reduce emissions, lower capital costs of transportation, and transform the U.S. economy. That sure beats subsidizing the EV purchases of climate smug rich folks. There you go. I like that one. All right. Before we have our guest, my good friend Howie Dewey coming on, uh, who, by the way, is a serious financial expert, and we're going to get into the topic of these bonds and otherwise. Let's hit on a couple of quick topics. Um, First one is, if you didn't watch it, Tucker Carlson interviewed that meme guy that is going to jail. It is a worthwhile interview. Um, It was particularly creepy in that, firstly, the guy didn't even create the meme. He got the meme off of 4chan. He posted it up on Twitter. And then he didn't even get in trouble for it until they switched administrations. Hillary Clinton was on the record saying, hey, this guy undermined my election. They couldn't find one single person that had seen it and changed their vote. There wasn't one single person that was damaged because of what he tweeted. But instead, the FBI changed the claim to that it was conspiracy to promote voter fraud. 
And because it's a federal crime, they can bring you to court in any jurisdiction. So they brought him into a very liberal uh, jurisdiction in uh, in uh, um, Brooklyn. Then they got someone that he had never spoken to, never met in his entire life, who was part of the 4chan group, to testify against him that they were part of the same conspiracy, even though they had never had a single conversation. And then there was there was there was one or two other really creepy things in there, really worth watching. And in terms of just like horrible news stories of government overreach over the past couple of years, that might be the absolute worst example. Uh, I'm looking forward to the New York City Donald Trump case because now Donald Trump's defense begins, and it sounds like he was already pulling all sorts of Donald Trump shenanigans, being a pain in the ass for this judge, just constantly going. I fucking won, and you're taking my buildings. Which, by the way, I think once they take Donald Trump's buildings, his magical powers are just going to go away. You're going to see this guy just lose confidence. He's not going to be the same guy. It's going to be like a sad situation when a guy, when a person loses his kids, and he's just showing up and uh, can't even really talk politics because he won't just stop talking about how finely his decorated buildings were. Uh, Tim Scott dropped out of the race. I think we all knew that that was going to happen. They got through a couple debates where they were able to have a token black guy. Uh, This was interesting. The Washington Post, I haven't read the article yet because who wants to pay for paywalls and it's all in the headlines anyways, had an article blaming Ukraine for Nord Stream, which is great because now that we're leaving the war, we're like, yep, they definitely did that. We had that was definitely their fault. Suddenly we know exactly who did it. We can publish the exact name of the guy who made the decision. And, uh, you know, everyone should go be upset with him. And now we'll get to our last quick topic that I wanted to address. And we've got an actual expert here. So let's welcome to the show my good friend, Howie Dewey. What is going on, Mr. Dewey? How are you, man? I'm doing well. So uh, first, before we even get into it, uh, no, you know what? Let's talk bonds and then we can talk special. You've got for, uh, I've seen this happen before, but the uh, agencies are starting to downgrade U.S. debt. Now, some people like to go, hey, U.S. debt's the benchmark, so if it, it doesn't matter. If it slides to B, B's now the gold standard. Everything else is a C or a D. If it goes to F, everything's negative F. It doesn't matter. I'm more of the mentality that we're running a big-ass scam here. At some point, we're going to pay the bill for the big-ass fucking scam. And anytime you get these little signals of someone going, hey, this is a big-ass fucking scam, you're inching closer to more people awakening to it and looking to move away from, uh, you know, basically lending us money. So I hand it back to you as the actual financial professional cash daddies and get your tips. You can, you can, you can start shorting the VIX up in the VIX, making money, even in down markets. I hand it to you. What do you make of the U S bond rating change? I mean, it's not the first time it's, uh, I mean, there's three bond rating agencies. You have Fitch Moody's and, and S and P, um, and look, in 2011, I think it was a bigger downgrade. Um, it might have been, I think it was Fitch in 2011 that downgraded the bonds, the debt, uh, everything. And in 2011, after that big downgrade, the NASDAQ went from 2,800 to where it is now, 13,700. 13, you so, mean the biggest increase ever? What's that? Sevenfold. It went up right. seven since then and that was after the big downgrade in 2011 uh the dow was at 12,500 it's now 34,200 well, to push back on this though you also had you're talking about the period of quantitative easing and so the fed you know 
really stepping into the market and flooding it with money to make it look like everything's okay. So you are running up against, first is we've got a problem already of servicing our debt, that it's a, the uh, interest on it is a much higher percentage. Well, that's and, the big, that's why I got right. down here. You just said and, it. And we're having a hard time finding buyers. So nah, that's, they're not really, there's tons of buyers. Uh, watch how much tra- watch how much China buys over the next three to six months. I thought China's been kind of out of the market of buying our debt. Uh, well, you'd be so you wait, wait and watch. I I don't okay. think that's going to be an issue. Um, but you did say I agree with you a thousand percent. The reason for this downgrade is you got rates this high, right? Uh, which they've actually come down the, this week. That the ten-year Treasury was at five percent. Now it's down to four six it's dropping um and you know and the fed's probably going to raise rates one more time i think they will another quarter basis so they've been tightening the shit out of this but the main downgrade is this look over the past 16 years so you say 20 years uh every president that's been in office you know is spending more than the previous one i mean old donnie trump had no problem writing a check for everything Right. Uh, he spent more goddamn money than anyone did. Right. And this guy, right. And, and, and basically these, this ratings uh, review came out today and we said, we're downgrading you for this. Rates are too high. Uh, this has got to be the biggest ass clown Congress that we've ever had. Ever. <laughs> I mean, dude, these guys are just fucking right. idiots. I mean, on both sides. It's like, look, you have till Friday to get something done. These clowns and this poor speaker doesn't know what he got himself into because um, nobody will do anything that he says. I'm, right. I'm, you know, his own boys don't support him. So it's it's that's the main reason they're downgrading because they're like, look, you have to cut this deficit. You got to make an attempt. You got to cut something. Nobody's cut anything in what, 20 years? Right. I, I want to say a real cut. So that's that's the downgrade, and they do even though look they downgrade it. What the market do? The market went up. The market was like this, you know, it's not gonna, and it's not really gonna affect anything. But what it should do is it should wake some of these guys up to say, you know, we're we're now looking worse than we looked two weeks ago, which was pretty bad. Um, so I think that's the main reason for the downgrade. Uh, you know what will happen going forward? I don't know. I mean. You know, I think in the spring they'll start easing rates again. Tomorrow's the biggest number of the year. You got the CPI number coming out tomorrow. If that thing is north of three point three percent, you know the market will tell you you'll see a sell-off. You know if they think things are still hot. Um, so you know there's a lot of news coming out. But so you think? Uh, I, I mean, this is just my ADD. But do you think? Next time the feds run a raise rates, that's the last time they're doing so. And that's going to be your last time to pick up like a 5% bond. Yeah, I do. No, don't get me wrong. They could raise rates and you could see, you could see bonds go to five and a half, 6%. That could happen. Right. Uh, you know, you know, the way it works is they'll raise rates, interest rates will go up and then they'll talk about lowering rates in the spring and, and rates will still go up. They'll still go up. A little bit more because the pendulum is so big right now. Right. All right. Um, now, this is a technical question that I might not even have the facts straight on. So you can uh, you can just reject or pass on this one. But ADD brain, it comes to mind. 
when that first bank went out uh, last year, I think it was SBF. I believe that was the name of the bank that went out, right? It was like that big... Uh, Sam Bankman Free. No, I'm. It was something. Then it was SVB. It was. Yes, it was SVB. similar. Yeah, SVB. Yeah, yeah. The reason why SVB went out was uh, Silicon Bank. It was Silicon Bank. Yeah, was essentially they had a bunch of bond, like thirty-year bonds that they brought at one and two percent, and so as the interest rate goes up, they're in trouble. Now, what the Fed did so that no one else would run into that problem is they turned to all the other banks and said, "Listen, any bonds that you had at one or two percent, you don't have to write down." They basically cooked the books where they said all the banks are going to run into this problem. They all bought bonds at the one or two percent. And so from what I recall, they literally just changed the accounting rule on the way that that debt is kept on the balance sheets. And they just cooked the books across the board. Do I have that right? I could, you know, I read everything. And then sometimes like it just, you know, it's random what sticks and I get shit wrong. But I seem to recall that that was the outcome of the uh, SVB situation. I mean, I think that was their. I I don't know. I don't quite know if they did that, but SVP had a problem because they had they had their uh, most of these depositors were startups. Right. Um, that was a huge problem. They had tons and tons of startups, and you're right. They they weren't diversified. They had all thirty year bonds, which I is mean, the dumbest thing in the world on a one or two percent interest. And, Literally and they retarded. Had a, they had a complete idiot overseeing the whole thing. Right. Might as well Ben Sam Bankman free, but that was that was the big one. They weren't diversified. You know, we, you know, as an advisor, we used to call that laddering. You know, you if, if somebody gave me uh, three three million dollars and let's say they were older and they said, look, my main thing is I want to maintain principle. I don't give a shit about uh, appreciation, but I want to maintain principle. We would ladder. You know, we would ladder, we would get, you know, we would have munis, we'd have junk bonds, we'd have high grade bonds, and we'd go out, you know, one, three, five, 10, 15, ladder it so that, you know, when these things were matured, it was different that we could reinvest it. But, you know, overall, if these people were getting between three and 6%, they were happy as hell. Right. You know, and people that buy bonds are, are wealthy people. I mean, right. that's, that's who buys bonds. Um, so no, they weren't diversified. That, that bank was different. And, you know, you, over the next few days, you saw bank, banks like region, region bank. And a lot of these others took a took a hit because no one, people were like, I don't know how to, I get it. If you're, I get it. Cause if you're laddering enough, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like redoing your mortgage to get the, the rate yeah. down. It's the opposite. Cause you got your more, you got your bonds coming due. So you're getting your higher interest rate bonds, which are the new bonds, which somewhat offsets the losses of yes. your long-term bonds. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, you hedge. And I think a lot of these yeah. banks are hedged. Um, you know, if the market did drop, you'd be surprised at how many hedges are in place. A lot of these banks have puts, uh, these banks are, you know, have a good amount of short the market in case it does. Um, you know, there's a lot of hedges you have to have. That's, that's right, what's, what's the, how we do we money-making play for this week? You know what, man, I'm, this is crazy, but I'm actually, I'm actually short the market this week. Um, there you we go. Went, not financial advice, everybody. This is a comedy no. show. And, uh, yeah. How, how we do we is a, a professional comedian, but that's what you're doing this week. Used to be a professional financial advisor, not anymore. But if you know, if you want to bank fatties, join the Patreon at cash daddies. You know, there you go. What uh, what and how are you shorting it? What's the move? You buying puts? You, you got yeah, some super did, VIX ultra short? What are you doing? Uh, we did this on Friday. We bought a little UVIX, which is uh, 
which is the uh, volatility index times two. Um, we bought some SQQQ, which is short the NASDAQ. And we bought some puts on the SPY and the, and the NASDAQ. You know, we went out. By the way, the just if anyone listening, if you're if you're playing the UVIX game, which is now you're doubling the the risk of the volatility derivative product, grab your balls. You're rolling the dice. You're throwing your craps on the table. Don't bet the house, but you no. can have some fun. That's yeah. yeah there you go. But you know, the bottom line is, look, I I just I played the law of averages. When the S and P's up nine out of ten days, the Nasdaq's up ten out of eleven days. It's, it's going to change. So right. Um, you know, the, the old strategy of buy and hold that hasn't worked in years. Um, so what we try to do is we try to just you know limit losses, exceed profits, use stop losses. Uh, right covered calls, you know, real conservative things. There you go. And for people into this kind of stuff, you guys can go check out the Cash Daddies podcast. Great show with uh, Sam Tripoli. Uh, now, before I let you go, why don't you tell everyone about the uh, comedy album? Comedy. Uh, I mean, you you had a pro shot there. I can't call it yeah. an album. That's uh, you got some pro grade shit. Solid man. Go to Howie Dewey on YouTube, man. The album, the it's called. It's a thirty six minute special called Teach the Children. Um, it's up, just put it up today. Hell yeah, dude. And, uh, yeah, getting good vibes from it. People are laughing. It's uh one we filmed a while back. Um, but it's, uh, it's free. It's on YouTube. If you, you know, if you're hung well, I'm, over, I'm if you're familiar with you. I'm familiar with your hour. Howie's one of the absolute funniest guys. I know we, uh, we're working yeah. together. We're doing that show in the East village and we've done, uh, a, a number of gigs. Uh, I, I scoped it out quickly just cause I was curious to see the, uh, um, the production quality, which was as good as any HBO special I've ever seen. I mean, the camera angles are on point, soundtracks on point. Like I know these things. I've tried to film my own stuff and pulled out what was remaining of my hair when like the audio didn't quite sync up or I didn't have the shots I wanted. Uh, so congratulations. You got, you got a, you got a great looking special up and I'm good. familiar with the material. So I know it's killer. Yeah. We got to get together again. Cause I love doing shows with you. We have a lot of laughs. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, anything else you want the uh, the good folks to run your mouth nation to know before we call hey, an episode? That's it. I have another pod we just started. It's very similar to Cash Days. It's called The Degenerate Gamblers. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> we, just, we just now that's that's all sports hey, betting. What are you, you're betting short, sports shorting the Jets? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we short the Jets every week and the Giants. <laughs> Uh, but you know, if your if your kids hate you, if your wife just left you, if you're hungover, it's something to go watch. You'll feel a lot better. <laughs> so. I love it. All right, once more, let people know where they can find the special. Hey, go to Howie Dewey on YouTube. Howie H O W I E D E W E Y. It's called Teach the Children, man. There you go. go. Free, independent in, uh, production has my stamp of approval. Go check it out. Have a great day, everybody. You the man, Robbie.